Well, please do open your Bibles at page 971 because we're going to look at these quite closely this morning. I want you to see the verses. I want you to see them for yourself as I preach on them. And we're going to pray now and ask God to speak to us through this part of the Bible. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of having it in our own language that we can read it and understand it. And Lord, we pray this morning that not only as we read your word, but as we hear it expounded and preached, we ask that you would help us to understand it, and we pray that you would speak to us through it. And Lord, whatever you say to us this morning, whatever it is that, that strikes our heart this morning, help us to take that with us as we leave and live differently in light of it. But speak to us, we pray this morning. That is what we long for. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got something to get your brains ticking this morning. I'm going to show you four things on the screen. And the question is this, what do these four things have in common? So here they are, fried chicken, an angle grinder, Elvis Presley, and Conswater Shopping Center. I love riddles. I'm sure you've got it, haven't you? What have they got in common? Fried chicken, an angle grinder, Elvis Presley, and Conswater Shopping Center. What do they have in common? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, absolutely nothing. They have nothing in common at all. They're just four random things thrown out there. And I have to say, whenever I read Matthew chapter 7, 1 to 12, what it seemed to me was that Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount was just starting to speak about random topics because there's four things he says in this passage that all seem a little bit random. So if you look at verses 1 to 5, he tells his listeners not to judge and then he talks about having a big plank in your eye. Then in verse 6, he says, don't throw pearls to pigs. What? Then in verses 7 to 11, he tells people to ask and seek and knock. And then in verse 12, he says, do to others as you'd like them to do unto you. It seems like Jesus here in his sermon has just gone a little bit off tangent and is speaking about four random things. But this is actually one part of Scripture. And what Jesus is doing here, he's talking about one unified thing. What he's talking about, he's talking about how to relate to others. And this morning, that's what I hope you see. In verses 1 to 5, he's going to teach us how to relate to each other in the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. In verse 6, he's going to teach us how to relate to people who he describes as pigs and as dogs. He calls a spade a spade. Then in verses 7 to 11, he's going to tell us how to relate to God. And then in verse 12, he's going to tell us how we are to relate to every single person we meet. So this morning, four lessons, one sermon, but it's all about how to relate to others. And we're going to jump into lesson one. We're going to look at all four of these things, but just so that you're not panicking, we're going to spend most of our time on the first thing and a lot, lot less time on the last three. So don't panic as I come to the end of point one thinking we're going to be here for two hours this morning. We're not, all right? But let's look at this first one. How do we relate to each other? This is within the church. Look around this morning. Because the first five verses that Jesus preaches to us this morning are about how you and I are to relate to one another. They're about how we relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ from other churches. Verses 1 to 5 are how we are to relate to each other. I don't know if you've ever used a metal detector, but they're amazing. Metal detectors are phenomenal pieces of kit. They can detect the smallest, tiniest little bit of metal. And whenever they detect metal, even a little tiny, small piece of metal, do you know what they do? They make a big, big noise about it. They beep loudly to alert you to the metal, 
and they beep loudly to alert everybody else to the metal as well. And some people are like metal detectors. Have you noticed that? Whenever it comes to the flaws and the feelings of other people, people can be like metal detectors. Quick to point them out. Quick to make a big noise about them, no matter how small they are. Experts at seeing them. Experts at spotting them. Some people are brilliant at seeing the flaws and the feelings in others. You might write a wonderful essay, and it's brilliant, but you get it back, and what does your professor do? He circles all of the spelling, punctuation, and grammar, and that's the only thing he focuses on. You might do a brilliant job in work, completing the task in an excellent way, getting a brilliant result, and your manager might pull you up on one of the small things that maybe didn't go quite right. And it's the same in the church, isn't it? It's the same amongst Christians, isn't it? There are some people in the church who are experts at pointing out the flaws and the feelings and the sins of others, even if they're just tiny little flaws. And whenever Jesus says in verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged, this is what he's forbidding. This is what he's saying that we shouldn't be doing in the church. We shouldn't be honing in on other people's sin, their flaws, their failures. We shouldn't be be honing in on the small feelings of other people and making a big noise about them. That's not what we're to be doing in the church. We shouldn't be honing in on someone else's flaws and failures and then criticizing them. We shouldn't be honing in on someone's flaws and failures and then judging them harshly. We're not to be honing in on people's faults and failures and judging them harshly. No, in the church, we're not meant to be judges of each other. We're not meant to be critiques, critics of each other. Instead, we're meant to be gracious and generous and loving towards each other and our flaws. Now, that's not to say it's always the case that we never say anything. Uh, I don't know when we're going to get to it, but at some point, we're going to get into Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus says there that if you see a sin in someone else's life, if you see a sin that's affecting them and it's affecting others and and they don't seem to realize this sin, then he says you're to to go and speak to them privately. In 18 verse 5, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. But you see what Jesus is describing here? In chapter 18, he's saying, listen, if someone's struggling with sin and they don't see it and it's causing a problem get alongside them as a brother. Get alongside them as one flawed person beside another flawed person helping them. Don't stand over them and judge them and criticize them. Don't stand over them and and pronounce their flaws to everybody else. No, says Jesus, that's not how it's meant to be. Can you see the difference? The difference between judging someone and loving them? The difference between criticizing someone and caring for them. The difference between standing over someone, telling them off, judging them, and getting alongside them, and encouraging them, and helping them. Folks, we're not to judge each other harshly and critically and unfairly. We're not to set ourselves up as the judge of others. We're not to be metal detectors. This morning, are you a metal detector Christian? 
This morning, do you find it easy to see the flaws and the failures of other people? This morning, do you point them out? Do you make a big noise about these things? Do you criticize people and not help them? Do you condemn people behind their backs? Do you see it as your job to make others aware of the sins of other people? This morning, are you a metal detector Christian? Quick to criticize, quick to judge, lacking in grace, lacking in forgiveness, lacking in generosity towards the faults of others? Are you a fault finder here this morning? Are you a fault condemner here this morning? I don't know you well well enough yet, but my guess is that maybe some of you are. I've not experienced it yet, but my guess is that some of you maybe are because this is why Jesus is saying this to the church, because there's people like that in churches. This morning, are you a metal detector Christian? If you are, there's a word for you this morning, and that word is repent. You need to repent. You need to change your mind. You need to change your direction. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop acting as the harsh, critical judge of other people. And I'll give you three reasons why. And they're not my reasons. They're Jesus' reasons from the passage. The first reason is Jesus tells you not to do this. It's very plain, isn't it? Have a look at verse 1. He says, do not judge. What's he saying there? It's not your job. It's not your job to be the harsh critic of others. Don't do it. It's not your job to condemn. It's not your job to do this. So don't do it. Reason number one, Jesus says not to do it. But reason number two, and this is a frightening reason if you're a metal detecting Christian. Jesus says that you'll be judged in the same way you judge others. You will be judged in the same way that you judge others. Have a look at the passage again. Look at verse 1 and 2. So do not judge or you too will be judged. And then look at this. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. That's frightening, isn't it? Frightening. It's frightening because what that means is that if you're a harsh, critical person, if you're someone who is so easy to point out the flaws of others, whenever you sin, whenever you blow it, whenever you fail, whenever the mask falls off and you're exposed for being a sinful person like everybody else, even though you stand above them, whenever you fail, people will judge you how you've judged them. They'll be critical of you. The finger that you pointed at them, three will point back at you. You'll be judged in the same way that you judge others. But maybe more scarily, and maybe this is what Jesus means here. Maybe what Jesus means is that whenever you stand before God on that day of judgment, He will judge you like you judged others. Every single flaw and feeling Maybe he'll make a big noise about that. Every single little thing, maybe he will make a big noise about that. That's scary, isn't it? Jesus says, how you judge others, so you'll be judged. 
But then there's another reason why we need to stop doing this. And the third reason is because we've got the wrong priorities. You see, if you're someone and you're the metal-detecting Christian, and you're the person who goes about pointing out all of the faults and the failings in others, if you're the metal-detecting Christian, you have got your priorities wrong. Because what Jesus says here is that your priority is not to be going about pointing out the sins of others. It's actually to look in within yourself and deal with your own sin. As Christians, we need to deal with our own sin. That is our priority, not to point out the sin and the feelings of others. And if you have a look at verses 3 to 5, you'll see that Jesus points this out with quite a funny illustration. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Just picture that wee picture there. This word for, for log, this word for, for beam, this word for um, plank, it's actually the, 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 a beam that goes across a, a house. It's a support beam. It's a huge, big beam. Imagine someone here with a massive beam coming out of their eye, and they're walking about holding this beam, and they're looking at you, hey, hey, you've got sawdust in your eye. It's a ridiculous picture, isn't it? And Jesus is saying here that, that actually you need to be aware that whenever you're pointing out the sin of others, you, you need to be aware of the sin in your own life, of the plank in your own eye. That's meant to be your priority. And then it's like Jesus is flabbergasted. Have a look at verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you see Jesus' point here? He's saying, listen, metal detector Christian, you're so busy pointing out the sin in other people's lives. You're so busy pointing out the small little flaws, but you've missed something. You've missed dealing with your own sin. You've missed looking within and seeing that there's a big plank in your own eye and you're not dealing with that and you're meant to deal with that. This morning, if you're a metal-detecting Christian, Jesus says that you need to stop that because what you really need to address is the sin in your own life. That should be your priority. That should be what your focus is. I've known a number of metal-detecting Christians I do know a number of them. And what I have found is that very often these metal detecting Christians are so quick to point out the sin in other people's lives because they've got their own sin in their own life. And they point out the sin of other people to make themselves feel okay about the sin in their own life. They point out the flaws in other people to make themselves feel not as flawed as they really are. And very often they condemn others because they themselves feel condemned. Very often they don't confess their sin and turn to Christ and trust Him to forgive it. So they live with sin in their life. They live under the weight of it. And they only feel a little bit better about it by pointing out the sin of others. And sometimes these condemning Christians, sometimes these metal detecting Christians, the reason they do it is because they have a wrong view of God. They have a wrong view of God. Sometimes these people see God as someone who would rather condemn than forgive. Sometimes they see God as someone who would rather punish people than show mercy. 
They have a wrong view of God. This morning as you sit here, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you sit here this morning and you have great sin in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and and you do actually see the big beam. Not only do you see the big beam, but you feel the weight of it. You feel the weight of your sin and your failing and your flaws. You feel the weight of how messed up you are. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel that, and so you become critical of others because of it, to make yourself feel better. Or maybe you're here this morning and your view of God is wrong. Maybe you think of God as someone who is is quick to get angry and wants to judge and not forgive. Maybe you've a wrong view of God and, and see God as someone who would rather punish than show mercy. Well, brother or sister, if that's you this morning, if you feel the heaviness of your sin, if that's your view of God, I have great news this morning. And it's that forgiveness is available. Forgiveness is available. Incredible, amazing, full, complete forgiveness is available. Because God is actually a God who would rather forgive than condemn. And God is a God who would actually rather show mercy than punish. And how do we know that? Because he sent his son. He sent his son Jesus to take the punishment that your sin deserves. He sent his son Jesus to bear your sin on the cross. He's made a way for you to be forgiven. This morning, if you're here and you're weighed down by your sin and your guilt and your failure, do you know what? Forgiveness is available this morning. And I want to encourage you to take it. Trust Jesus to forgive you. Turn from your sin and trust him this morning. But as a whole church family, let's make sure we listen to the words of Jesus here this morning. As a whole community of people living together in this part of the world, living together as a church family, let's listen to Jesus' words this morning. Don't judge each other. Don't be metal detecting Christians. Don't go around judging others, pointing out their faults and failures and and speaking harshly about them. That's not where to be. We're to be sinners in the battle with each other, helping each other. If someone sins against you, forgive them. Forgive them. If someone's aware of their sin and they're dealing with it, you don't need to point it out and hammer them on it. And if someone is sinning in such a way that it is affecting the body here or it is affecting them, then do what Jesus says in Matthew 18 and get alongside them as a brother and sister in Christ, not over them, and encourage them in the battle. But let's not judge each other. We're not the judges. That's lesson one over. Let's move on to lesson two, which will be less, and then lesson three and four will be very short. So after lesson one, Jesus then goes on to tell us how we are to relate to dogs and to pigs. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we're not actually supposed to feed bread to ducks. Did you know that? That's all I have ever fed them, and apparently I am wrong for doing that. I was taking a walk around uh, Mount Stewart the other day, and there's the lake there, and there's this little sign that says, do not feed bread to the ducks, and, and for some reason it's not good for them. And if you read verse 6 at face value, 
It seems that Jesus here is just giving some advice on what not to feed animals. If you read it at face value, that's what he seems to be saying. Have a look at verse 6. First of all, he tells us, do not give dogs what is sacred. So what was sacred? It was the meat offered up at the temple for sacrifices. And Jesus, what he's saying to his listeners is, listen, you see that meat from the temple? Don't give it to the dogs. You're not meant to give dogs chocolate. Apparently, they get sick. Well, Jesus says, don't give dogs this sacred meat. Strange, isn't it? And then what does he do? Well, he talks about what not to feed pigs. Have a look there. He says, don't give them pearls. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. And then he tells you what might happen if you try to feed pigs pearls. He says, when they realize they're not edible, they'll trample them underfoot. They'll be angry with you that you tried to feed them pearls instead of something good. And what does he say? They will turn and tear you to pieces. What weird advice. Don't give dogs sacred meat. Don't give pigs pearls. And if you do decide to try to feed them pearls, beware, they might turn and charge you and try to tear you to pieces. How very strange. But Jesus here, I hope you realize he's not teaching us what not to feed animals. Now what Jesus is saying is that he is saying that there are some people and they are like pigs and dogs. Pigs and dogs. In our country, in our world, dogs are these lovely animals that live in the house. In the ancient world, they were scavengers. They lived on the rubbish dumps. You wouldn't have had them in your house. You wouldn't have had them near you. They were ferocious. Dogs and pigs. Jesus says there are some people who are like dogs and pigs. And what he's referring to here is he's referring to people who are extremely antagonistic towards the Christian faith. He's talking about people who get really angry at Christians and Christianity. He's talking about people who, if you preach the gospel to them, they may turn on you and attack you or rip you to pieces with their words. The pigs and the dogs here are those people who are so against Christianity and against the Christian message and antagonistic towards it that if you were to speak to them, they may turn on you. And what Jesus is saying here is that with those people, if you've given them the gospel, if you've shared the Christian faith with them, if you've done all that you can to to share Christ with them and they turn on you and they're antagonistic, then maybe you need to stop giving them your pearls. Maybe you need to stop sharing the gospel with them. Maybe you're here this morning and you know people like that. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're in your workplace. Maybe they're in your street. Maybe they're in your sports team. And you've tried over and over and over again to share Christ with them. And they mock it. They mock the gospel. They mock you. They make fun of Christianity. They turn on you. Well, Jesus is saying here this morning, that there may become a time when you're no longer to cast your pearls to them. Jesus is saying that there may be a time whenever it's no longer your responsibility to share the gospel with them. We see it, don't we, when Jesus sends out the 72? Go into the villages, and if they don't listen to you, shake the dust off your feet so you can go to another village. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you feel burdened for someone and you're getting nowhere and they're becoming aggressive and antagonistic and you feel like you're beating your head off a brick wall and you're wondering if you need to do it anymore. Well, Jesus this morning is saying maybe not. But I want to just give you some advice from John Stott. John Stott was an Anglican minister, very well-respected man, and he he died recently. And he writes this, and and this is to give you a little bit of advice. It's up on the screen. He says this, if people have had plenty of opportunity to hear the truth, but do not respond to it, if they stubbornly turn their backs on Christ, and if, in other words, they cast themselves in the role of dogs and pigs, we are not to go on with them. But listen to this. At the same time, to give people up is a very serious step to take. I can think of only one or two occasions in my experience when I have felt it was right. This teaching of Jesus is for exceptional situations only. Our normal Christian duty is to be patient and persevere with others as God has patiently persevered with us. So the normal practice is to go on preaching the gospel to people. But if you're here this morning, maybe this is for you. Maybe there's some people who you need to stop preaching the gospel to so you can preach to others. Okay, let's move on to lesson three. The next lesson is slightly different from the others in that this lesson is about how to relate to God, and we've got a very short time on this one. And here Jesus wants us to get that we're to relate to God as our heavenly Father. And I don't know why, but in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus refers to God as our Heavenly Father over and over and over and over again. He's always referring to God as our Heavenly Father. And I could be wrong, but I think Jesus just really wants us to get this. And so again here, he says that we're to relate to God as our Heavenly Father. And to make the point, he says that whenever we pray, we're to talk to God like a father asking him for things, and then we're to trust God to be like a father and give us good things. So you see that at the start, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. And then in verse 11, If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, give, give good gifts to those who ask Him? This morning, we've touched on it before, but this morning, maybe you need to hear it again. You're to relate to God as your heavenly Father. Heavenly, all-powerful, almighty, the one who is sovereign, but as a father, approachable, loving, kind, generous. Folks, how we view God will affect our relationship with God. And this morning again, Jesus says to you, recognize that God is your father in heaven and relate to him as such. Finally, then we get on to verse 12, and this is definitely the most challenging lesson of the lot. Jesus then goes on in verse 12 to say how we relate to everyone, how we are to relate to everyone inside the church and outside the church, everyone we meet, everyone we have relationships with. And what does he say there, verse 12? Some of those challenging words in all of the Bible. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Do to others what you would have them do in everything. What a challenge that is. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying if you're one of his followers, if you're a Christian, then you're to treat everyone the way you'd like to be treated. 
You're to do to other people as you would like them to do to you. And what makes that so challenging is that that's really hard. Really hard. Because we just live our lives selfishly. We don't really think about other people whenever we are just living our normal lives. But Jesus says as you, as you live your life, as you go to work, as you have friends with your coffee, if, as you go out and do your normal everyday life, I want you to do to other people what you would have them do to you. Speak to others like you'd like them to speak to you. Treat others like you'd like them to treat you. Help others how you'd like them to help you. Welcome others as you'd like to be welcomed. Greet other people as you would like to be greeted. What a challenge. Do to others, Jesus said, as you'd like them to do to you. Treat other people as you'd like them to treat you. I was thinking about this, and I'd like people to treat me with fairness. And Jesus, that means I I have to treat others with fairness. I'd like to be treated with compassion and graciousness and love and patience and respect. Think of how you would like someone to treat you. Jesus says that's how we as Christians are meant to treat others. Let me ask you a question this morning. And it's a question I ask myself. And it's a question whenever I ask it, it gets under my own skin and I imagine it might get under your skin too. Honestly, how do you treat other people? Honestly, how do you treat other people? If we had CCTV footage of your life in the past week, would it confirm your answer? How do you treat others? Look around the room. How do you treat each other? How do you treat the members of your family? How do you treat your neighbors? How do you treat your colleagues? If you're at school, how do you treat your teachers? If you're at university, how do you treat your mates? How do you treat people? This morning, Jesus is calling you and I to be radical. He's calling us to be different so different from everybody else out there who doesn't know Christ. He's calling us to be those who treat others as we would like to be treated and who do to others what we would like done to us. But if you're like me this morning, then maybe you feel guilty. Maybe you feel challenged. Maybe you even feel ashamed. Well, the great news is there's forgiveness available for us. That is why Christ has died. But folks, wouldn't it be great to be these people? Wouldn't it be great to be people who shine so brightly for Christ because of how we treat others? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get to the point where we're so selfless that we put others before ourselves? We can't do it by geeing ourselves up. We can't do it by trying harder. But we can do it when we have a heart change from God. And Jesus is in that business. Look to him this morning. Look how he's treated you. When you were dead in your sin, 
rebelling against him, he gave his life for you. God has treated us far better than we deserve. And we're to be those who go out and treat others as we would like to be treated. Four random things, it seems. Four completely random things, it seems, that Jesus puts in this sermon. But my hope is that you needed to hear one of them this morning. And I know I certainly did. Let's pray and thank God for his word. Father, we do not know why Jesus preached these words, why he, he brought up these things in this, these verses. But Lord, we're glad he did. And Lord, we recognize that you've spoken to us this morning through this passage. For some of us, you've convicted us of our sin and our need of repentance and to trust your son. For some of us, you've encouraged and built up and edified but for all of us, we have learned how to treat other people and how to relate to you. Lord, we pray this morning that all of these words would ring in our minds this week and that you would change our hearts from the inside that we could become more of those people who treat others as we would like to be treated. Lord, thank you for your word to us this morning. Help us to embrace it and live differently in light of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.